What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jade Painting. This podcast is proudly, proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Tainus Hoopers family. Today, I am joined again by Tainus Hoopers contributor and hashtag basketball draft expert, Tyler Metcalf. Uh, obviously, if you've listened to the show before, and especially during the offseason, you know that Tyler joined me for a lot of the draft previews and the and the and the player you know deep dives that that we got into in the off season to pass the time and to to prepare ourselves for the draft so today we're just going to talk about Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels obviously they are the two Minnesota rookies and the two guys that, that yeah I want to focus on today and kind of just take a look back at, at what we've seen by the time anyone's listening to this it'll probably be 15 games into the season after the the Pelicans game tonight as we're recording um so we obviously don't know the result of that or what what Ant and McDaniels did in that game but we're going to go from the 14 games before that and kind of just just generally check in at the at the early returns of those two guys so Tyler how you going man uh it's going you know just taking it game by game here with the Timberwolves and you know, <laughs> I, I know we should all know better but it's what we signed up for yeah, it's it's got to the point where it's it's almost hard to to even find silver linings at the moment. Like the the Atlanta game last night was just another kick in the teeth. So hopefully by the time people are listening to this, it's you know at least a competitive game against New Orleans tonight, and no D'Angelo Russell for some strange resting reason. But I guess those um, twenty minutes yeah. were too much for him last night. But I don't know, maybe he just, maybe it's just a mental break. Because God knows we, yeah. God knows we, we as fans could use it. Yeah, I think I could use a rest <laughs> a, day, a day off to rest. Um, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we we don't. We're we're gonna sit here and talk about the wolves <laughs> for for an hour or so. So, um, I guess we'll get straight into it. We'll start with with Ant. Obviously, McDaniel's the, the sample size is still very very small. Yep. Um, Edwards Edwards at this point when we're talking, he's averaging eleven points per game, eleven point six points per game. 2.9 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 34% from the field, and 27% from the three-point line. The Wolves are 6.6 points per one own possessions worse on offense with it when Andy's out there. Actually, 5.4 uh, points per 100 possessions better on defense when he is out there, which is a, a bit of a surprise. Um, just pre-draft, I had him at, at two um, in my big board. You had him at four, I believe. Uh, yeah. Um, just... To, just going off the hashtag basketball rankings, yep. which if I didn't mention, please go and check out all of Tyler's stuff over at hashtag basketball and obviously at Tanner Supers. But um, I'll, I'll start with a question for you. I guess we'll st- I want to start with a defensive end for Ant. I want to start there and then we'll get into the offense a little bit later. Sure. But what have you made of Ant's defense you know, so far and, and where does it sit compared to what you saw heading into draft night? Um, so I... Early on, there are some flashes of, okay, maybe he's figuring it out. Maybe he's locked in. And when he is locked in as an on-ball defender, you know, we, we, we've seen some good stuff. We've seen good effort. But I mean, overall, um, especially these last couple weeks, I mean, it, it's just been bad defensively. And he's almost regressed back to where he was at Georgia. Um, and he his off-ball awareness is brutal right now and there are multiple clips where um you know his guy just cuts along the baseline to the opposite corner he's staring at the ball 
three seconds later, he glances back, his man's gone, and he's doing a full 360 spin trying to figure out where he is. Um, so I, it, it's it's been bad defensively, but, you know, so is everyone else on this team. And the overall off-ball defensive awareness on this team has been brutal. So I, I don't, it doesn't really seem like there's that veteran who can help him lock in on that end. Um, but, you know, I, I really was hoping for more of a step in the right direction defensively from Edwards, um, from what he showed at Georgia, because the physical tools are there. The athleticism is there to be an awesome on or awesome defender. Um, and, you know, occasionally we see him lock in, um, mainly on ball, but you know, that that's, you know, once, twice a game, we see really inspiring stuff from him defensively. And, you know, the other, you know, 20 minutes he's on the court. It's just bad. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I, I certainly agree with you. And I think that all of his worst attributes that we had issues with and that we spoke about pre-draft that that showed themselves at Georgia have kind of just been magnified in the worst way possible. Uh, all of those surround, you know, those flaws I had surrounding the off-ball defense, like you said, there was that one last night against Atlanta where I think DeAndre Hunter cut from the top of the key. They'd forced the shot clock low. There was maybe two or three seconds left on the shot clock. Rajan Rondo had the ball in the corner. Um, the perfect, you know, defensive possession. That's where you want to end a defensive possession with Rondo shooting a contested three. And then Ant just gets stuck with the worst case of ball watching you could ever imagine. Um, Hunter cuts, cuts behind him straight to the rim. I'm pretty sure it ended up as an end one as well. Like, that's the stuff where it's just, it's must be maddening for the coaching staff, a coaching staff that's already under a ton of pressure as it is. Um, and then Ant's just those awful ball watching lapses uh, and he gets sucked in so, so easily to the ball. Uh, he just kind of, Every, he just floats towards the ball throughout throughout defensive possession rather than just staying fixed on his man. Um, and, and it's 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 effort, really, with him. Like you said, he's got the, all the physical tools. He still struggles mightily to get through screens, I think. like Obviously, he's strong and fast enough to, to do it, and his lateral quickness is really good, but his technique and effort to get skinny and squeeze through those picks is just he completely falls off there. And that was always my biggest issue at Georgia. Obviously, he has moments as an on-ball defender, as you said, but he still reaches way too much. Uh, he, he wants to make that home run play where he pokes the ball loose rather than just staying solid and moving his feet. And, and as soon as you reach, as, you know, he got punished for it at the college level. Uh, as soon as you reach at the NBA level against a, a wing who, who can score against you easily, um, you know, it's game over. And I think he has a long way to go to kind of conform to a defensive plan a team defensive plan and an even longer way before he can actually you know improve a team defense like they they hide him a lot i think as much as they can obviously when you have d'angelo russell out there and you have malik beasley and you know you 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 can't hide everyone all the time um do you think like with the way this season's going and obviously it's it's getting to the point pretty quickly where it's it's slipping away if it, if it hasn't already slipped away. Uh, do you think it's better for Saunders or whatever eventual new head coach uh, to keep stashing him away off the ball and, and out of harm's way? Or do you think just 
throw him into the frying pan and give him some reps, some reps and some film in pitch and roll coverage and, you know, risk him being burnt consistently. Um, you know, it, it, it's tough because I mean, you, do, you don't want to completely, you know, destroy his confidence on that end. And he doesn't seem like a guy who that's really going to be a big issue for. Um, but you, you never know. Um, so I, I, I well, he's com- his confidence is the one thing that I just don't have a, an right. issue with. Like it's not it's not Jared Tolver where Tolver seems to be like fair, if you don't toddle if you don't if you don't toddle him he kind of goes into his shell. Like Ant is just like the most kind of out there guy. Even even the other night wasn't the Atlanta game the game before against Orlando. You know he's obviously been horrible offensively lately, mm-hmm. and he hit a mid he hit a mid range jumper and he was walking up the court. You know telling people that this is what he does like. Right. You know, talking trash. Like I, I like, I like that. I think that will lend itself to improvement and to not getting his head down. You know, as much as some other players. But yeah, so yeah, I, I, I guess, on with I guess point. to that point, I would like to see him get more minutes with you know the the starters and whatnot, and having to face those the better players on the other team, and having to be held accountable. Um, and because I mean, he he's never his entire basketball career he's never been held accountable he's never really been coached at a high level he's always just been like given the team and free reign to do whatever he wants because he's always been the freak athlete he's always been the best player um and he's not that anymore there are guys who are way better than him and he needs to i i I think he needs to just kind of keep being thrown into the fire and held accountable and it's like hey you messed up this play and it it cost us like you have to fix it. Yeah. You shut down his, you know, your man's first dribble move. Uh, but then he pulled it out and you stood up out of your stance and he blew past you and you lazily reached in and left, you know, towns or Ed Davis or whoever out to dry in a two on one or three on two situation at the rim where they're screwed. And it's because you're too young and not finishing the play out. Like he's, alluded to in that uh deandre hunter cut you know it's like no there are 24 seconds on the shot clock not 22 just because it's late and yeah. you think that guy's gonna shoot like he's one of the most cerebral pl- rondo's one of the most cerebral players the league has ever had like he will find and use every second on the clock and you have to stay with your man throughout that entire play you can't just stand up out of your stance because it's because you think you shut down your guy you can't just zone out on your guy cutting because you think he's going to shoot, you know, a guy's going to huck up a three at the end of the clock. Like, you have to be focused and stay locked in and be held accountable for what your actions do to the team. Yeah, I think the accountability is the the tough, the tightrope that, that, that Ryan Saunders and David Vanderpool and, and all those coaching staff, I think that's the tightrope that they need to walk and it's a tough one because obviously you know as you've said and I think as many of us believe you have to throw him out there with the starters at some point and you have to give him minutes to grow and minutes to you know play alongside good players and and not be the only guy on the court who can score and not be the only guy on the court who you expect to defend it at the point of attack but on the other hand you also need to be able to to hook him when he does something like that, you can't like, I, I know you want to play through the mistakes, mm-hmm. but you also have to teach him that this isn't Georgia anymore, where he's the best recruit in their, you know, 
in their history. It's not right. um, it's not uh, high school anymore where you can just score fifty and, and play lazy defense because you're still the best player on the team. Like you need to, if you don't step up on defense, if you don't do what you're supposed to on defense, you will sit on the bench, mm-hmm. and that's the tough bit because you want to develop him and. You want to try, but you're also trying to win games. And I know that right now it looks like they're tanking and the way they're playing. But I, I can I don't think guarantee you they want. Yeah, I can guarantee you they want to win games. They're not. They're not going to risk that that top three pick for the sake of an extra, a few extra losses. And so I think that they need to they need to walk that tightrope. They need to figure out the the fine balance between sitting him down for his mistakes and not letting him build bad habits, but then also play through those bad habits and learn good ones. Uh, and, uh, and I just think it's it's tough. It's tough for the coaching staff. It's tough for Edwards. Obviously, all of this stuff that we're talking about is is qualified by the fact that he's played 14 NBA games. And I, and I, I want to throw this to you, but I kind of expected a lot of this, and I expected Anthony yeah. Edwards to have a pretty bad rookie season. Like, is that how you felt as well? Yeah, I, I, I never expected him to come out you know, guns blazing, super efficient on both ends of the floor or anything. Um, I, I figured there'd be struggles. Um, the You know, I thought his best situation would be a role um, like Minnesota, like Golden State, where he wouldn't be the primary guy right away. Um, and injuries and COVID and all that stuff has, you know, kind of forced him into more of a dominant role because, you know, Towns has played four, three, four games only. So we haven't yeah. been really gotten to see him play off of him much. Um, but yeah, I, none, none of this really surprises me. It's not like, you know, he was some super locked in player in college, every possession. And now this is like, who the hell is this guy? And why isn't he, you know, locked in every second? Um, it's just, I would have, ho- I was hoping for more of, you know, of a progression to a professional player. Um, and, you know, a lot of this can be given to, you know, their, their practice or their inability to practice, their lack of training camp, no summer league. And they had 30 days or something like that between the draft and their first game. So I, it's tough, but then, you know, you see other rookies figuring it out. So not, none of this yeah. is surprising, I think. All the tools are still there. There's a lot to be excited about. Um, I just, I worry about how they're using him defensively. I don't think they're u- utilizing his athleticism enough. Um, I'd like to see him, you know, a little bit more of like a weak ball shot blocker, but that kind of goes into his awareness and ability to recognize rotations and stuff. But I mean, like his block percentage is 0.2%, which is in the 13th percentile. <laughs> And his defensive yeah. rebounding is rebounding percentage is eight percent, which is in the second percentile. So I'm, it it's just it's not good, but it's also not surprising. Yeah, some of that re- I, I I've been watching the rebounding lately because obviously he gets the Wiggins comparisons. He's always got that, and and Wiggins one of Wiggins' biggest issues is that he was obviously uber athletic and never you, got you in said. there amongst the rebounds. Yeah, yeah exactly, and. The thing I think with Wiggins as well, like the one it's kind of the one thing I I almost gave Wiggins a pass with, and I, and I think they're kind of using 
Edwards the same way is that they don't really ask him. Well, I, I guess from from watching from afar, they don't really ask him to get in there on the, the defensive rebounds. They more have him as a guy who's leaking out on the break, and sure. I think that's how they play with Wiggins as well. I think that's Saunders has kind of learnt that from Tibbs. Yeah. Um, and because just like last night, he had a few, but it seemed like every time he actually went to the rim and went in for the rebound rather than leaking out and trying to get out in transition, he got a rebound or he got close to a rebound or he, you know, put a body on somebody. Uh, I think that I'm not sure whether the, the rebounding is steam-based or whether it's just him deciding he doesn't want to go and, and try and get a rebound because that doesn't that wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, like, I don't know what I expect from him as a rebounder, but I definitely, to your point, expect him to have a higher block percentage than 0.2%. Like, even in even in Georgia where he was often playing at 50%, you still saw him get plenty of blocks. Not not obviously a, a shot blocker, but a guy who could, could get a lot of blocks just coming off the weak side and just making that, that late rotation and using his athleticism to cover ground right. and to get a block. So we haven't seen any of that this season. I, I can remember one block, I reckon, that he got, and that was... That was uh, a chase down block towards the start of the season. So, yeah, yeah. And I, uh, I guess I guess to your rebounding point of bit, trying to have him leak out and kind of get in that transition offense right away. I like that idea, but they don't have any elite rebounders in there to secure yeah, that ball. Yeah. They have the worst defensive rebounding rate in the NBA. So, okay, it makes sense when Towns is there. It doesn't make sense when right. Jared Vanderbilt and Nas Reed are the guys rebounding. Right. Vanderbilt's been a very good rebounder, but Nas is way below average for, for a center. Right. And in the preseason, Ryan was talking about how they want to do wanted to do a lot more of just grab and go. And I can't think of a better, more athletic player to have do that than Anthony Edwards. So, I, I, I think having him. I, and maybe it's just his mentality. Maybe it's coaching instruction. I, I'm not sure. But for a team with the worst defensive rebounding rate in the NBA, instructing your most athletic player to leak out instead of go secure that rebound and then run in transition, I, I think is, you know, just kind of malpractice. Yeah. And it's... I think it's all being compounded by the offense. I know that we're kind of focusing on the defense right now, but I think that at his best, I never, I know he has the physical tools, but I think for, for me and for you and for guys who have watched Edwards a ton, you know, from the when he was breaking out in high school to obviously all of his games at Georgia, I just never expected him to be above an average defensively, no. despite no. his physical tools. I, I, I thought like a, 50, a 40th, 50th percentile defender on the wing was his peak. And then you need his offense, his offensive game, you know, in a perfect world would make up for that. There's plenty of really good wing players who are 50th percentiles as defenders. You know, Donovan Mitchell, who's the guy he gets compared to all the time. Like, I think he's there. Devin Booker's obviously not a great defender. You can get away with that if you're a really good offensive player. Mm. And I guess that's, you know, if we transition into the offense, that's that's why it's it looks so bad right now, the defense, because you can't get away with the defense when you're shooting 35% from the field. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, it's like, I don't know... I guess I'll ask you the same question. What what have you made of, of Ant's offense so far, and, and how does it compare to what you saw heading into draft night? Yeah, so I, I, 
let let's start out with like a positive, and that's been his playmaking. Um, yeah, I I didn't I saw very little of that at Georgia. I you know he was kind of a black hole with the ball and looked for his shot. He didn't move off ball. Um, you know it's it's kind of you know very very different players and results, but it's kind of hard to ask. Um, what when like looking for his shot, not the passing part of Harden's game, um, where, and then if he gave it up, he was just kind of stagnant off on the wing. Um, but his ability to drive and kick, I think has been really impressive. Um, I, and really encouraging. I think he's only averaging like an, an assist a half a game or something, but I, I don't think that really correctly represents the types of passes he's been making. Um, when he when he kicks out of the drive so from that standpoint i'm really encouraged of what his kind of offensive game can eventually develop into um because I, I and especially when he gets it especially when he gets out of this funk i think right now the last few games you've seen that passing decrease a little bit but that's just because he wants to score he just wants to watch the ball go through the hoop a few times right so and, badly and if he t- gets more minutes with the starters and he's kicking out to russell or beasley or you know towns um you know i i th- th- those numbers will skyrocket because because Ru- ricky rubio can't hit anything right now um you know n- no one from the bench can shoot at all so yeah from that standpoint the passing was something i didn't expect and something i i'm really encouraged and excited about um i thought he would be a much better interior scorer than this um and his athleticism it just makes no sense man it makes no sense that 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 he can't hit a shot around the rim like that's easily the most surprising thing for me yeah you know compared compared to georgia yeah and i 41 percent of his shots are coming at the rim which is in the 87th percentile that's awesome you want your freak athlete to attack the rim that's something wiggins never did he never used his, his athleticism to initiate contact um, to attack the rim, there's always these weird mid-range floaters or fadeaways. Um, we're seeing less of that from Ant, and he's attacking the rim, which is awesome. The problem is he's shooting 42% at the rim, which is the fourth percentile. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, we can complain about not getting foul calls. I think he's gotten pretty screwed in that end. But at the end of the day, you still have to put the ball in the hoop. And the fact that he's been unable to do that is just really kind of perplexing to me. Yeah, it's like I, I, it's the one thing I, I expect positive, you know, regression back to the mean, Agreed. back to what we expected him to be, because it's always been, like you said, it's always been shot selection issues with Edwards before, you know, pre NBA, yep. and. We haven't seen that really so far. Like, mm. yeah, he's gonna he's gonna stop and pop for a mid round. I mean, in terms of just refusing almost to attack the rim. Sure. Jo- sure. At Georgia, he he was at Georgia. He was just so frustrating because yeah. it was even more pronounced because he could get to the ring even easier. Yep. And he could finish at the rim even easier because there wasn't a Rudy Gobert or you know a Miles Turner or someone waiting for him there. Yeah. And he just didn't. Um. And. Uh, I do want to get to the shot selection issues because you're right, that's not a, a non-issue anymore. But it's just the fact that he's going to the rim and he's clearly taken the advice of what this coaching staff wants in terms of the, the threes and the rim shots and they want him to get there and attack aggressively and these shots are just aren't going in. They We saw it through the first five games where he was 
bullying, you know, 10-year vets and, and finishing in, in a variety of different ways. And now he just cannot get one to, to go through the twine. Like, they're rolling around the rim. They're, you know, sitting on the rim for a second and falling off. There's obviously no foul calls are coming, which, as you said, is not an excuse because you just need to finish it either way. He's, he's looking for those foul calls now. Yeah. Since he since he came out publicly and said, I don't get foul calls. Yeah, that's, see, that's never going to help him. No, nah, exactly. And, and, you know, Carl Anthony Towns still doesn't get foul calls five, six years into his career because he complains too much and yep. complain. And I know Ant, Ant doesn't uh, seem to kind of throw any hissy fits or anything, but he he's trying to draw a foul while he's in the air mm-hmm. rather than just trying to put the ball in the hoop. Uh, he, he's just pre- he's just pressing at the moment uh, to, to see one of those bunnies go down. And every time one rolls off the rim or... Or he gets crunched and gets no whistle. That confidence, you see it just get chipped away a little bit. Or and and his, it seems that his way to deal with the confidence being chipped away is to just do it again. Mm-hmm. Like I said with Colbert before, Colbert will go into his shell. If Colbert misses five threes, he won't shoot for two games. If Ant misses five right. threes, he's coming down the court at the next play and jacking up he, a three from twenty-seven yeah. feet because he needs to see one go down. And we saw last night he. he you know, obviously missed, I don't know, 10 shots straight to start the game. And then he hits a layup, next play down, comes off the pick and roll, hits a pull-up three. Like, he is full-on a confidence player. Yep. And when he when they start going in, he, he it's the Michigan State game. Like, I can see one of them games happening at some point where he's going to hit eight straight shots in a game and he's going to look absolutely unbelievable. But then he, he needs to figure out a way to balance those hot streaks with these extra extra cold streaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just... Uh, like, Do you think there's a chance that he just can't finish around the rim sufficiently at the NBA level, or is it just a funk? Like, do you, do you see any way that this doesn't at least sort itself out to at least league average? I And yeah, there's always that possibility that he's just one of these guys who just doesn't have any touch and can't figure out the angles at the rim. I don't think that'll be the case. I, I he kind of mentioned it earlier. I think it'll be, I, I think it's currently more so that he's more concerned about trying to get the foul call than trying to score, which I, I think is a big issue. And you know, especially with the kind of culture and obsession with foul hunting now, with guys running through screens or stopping in the middle of the lane, um, you know, oh, the Trey the Trey Young complex, right? The Trey Young, I. We we saw Kevin Durant, you know, back in the day when he would just do the rip through, um, James Harden stopping right off of a screen, all that stuff. Um, so I think he's more worried about initiating contact, and which I I, I like that he's initiating contact. I like that he's not shy about that um, because that that's where like the Wiggins comp completely veers off because Wiggins was so averse to contact and never used his athleticism. Um, Anthony Edwards wants to show you his athleticism and throw it in your face. Um, Man, he almost threw down uh, one of the biggest dunks of all time last night. (laughs) I think there are two of them. One, he got stuffed by the rim. The other, Capella hit, stiff-armed him in the chest, and apparently that's clean now. Um, But, yeah, so I I think once he kind of, he's going to have to change his mindset of, okay, I'm looking to score here if i get a foul call awesome but i can't expect to get one because he's not getting them and you know nba refs 
you know, I, I don't think it's deliberate, but, you know, subconsciously they have this 18, 19 year old kid complaining about how they don't give him any calls and he thinks he gets fouled all the time. And, they, and they're just and they're like, like, man, they're just like, who are you? Right. Who are you? Right. You've like, done nothing in this league. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's completely spot on. You have, he has to just go and, and I think that's what he was doing in the first five games. I mean, I wrote a, film room piece about how well he finishes at the rim yeah. and how well he gets to the rim like i don't think that like something happened he he had a few bad games and then he's now he's just as i said he's just pressing way too hard i think it's worth mentioning and it needs to be mentioned that i don't think they use him well at all on offense no uh, defensively no, i think that you i think defensively you can kind of give the coaching staff a pass just because Ant's not doing any himself any favors by just being poor pretty much all around. Mm-hmm. But I think offensively, like you have to run more stuff to get Ant downhill. Yeah. And that isn't just a high pick and roll with everyone else standing around doing nothing. And, you know, so clearly uh, pretty much an isolation with a high screen there. Yep. Um, I know they run some wide pin down actions for him. The same, the same ones they run for Malik Beasley. But you just have to get a little bit more creative, I think, to like to keep, if you want to keep that confidence high. Because he's not Malik Beasley, who has proven to be an awesome shooter. And you, like when Beasley comes off those wide pin downs, they have to they take one closer step towards the three point shot, mm-hmm. and that allows Beasley to to drive if he needs to. And they they'll let him shoot a three coming off a pin down. Uh, they don't want him to drive, and they you know stop him from that drive. And you, you've got to I think you've just got to encourage. You've got to encourage and enforce more back cuts, more dives to the yes. rim from any position from him, which is on him as well. He he, I thought he was a really good back cutter uh, at Georgia. He, he didn't do it yeah, he was awesome. as often he as never, you'd like. He just never did it. Yeah, but I I, can't, I remember one or two maybe. I think I saw. I think I looked on Synergy last night. I think Ant has cut has eight cutting possessions this year that ended in a um, scoring possession. So. That is just wild to me. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, 10, 10 cutting possessions. He scored nine points off those possessions, so he's in the ninth percentile. Zero point nine points per shot attempt. So, I, like, I think even if it's he's not finishing well, which clearly he's not compared to you know if the numbers are telling the truth, but you need to make him do it more. Right. Uh, especially when he's going to be sitting in the corner for for a lot of the game. I think you need to play him as a screener and let him roll to the rim. Uh, that's another way to just get him going downhill without the ball in his hands and, and have Russell feed him or have Ricky Rubio when he's out there with that second unit feed him on a pick and roll pretty much. It might not work, but it's better than high pick and rolls all the time. It's better than wide pin downs that aren't working. And then, hell, I'd even I'd even post him up when he's on a smaller guard. Mm-hmm. Like smaller dudes guard him because they know that he's going to sit in the corner for a lot of the game. I just think you need to try more things with Edwards rather than just beating pick and rolls and isolations to death. Like, that's not doing him any favors. No, and and it's like, I think it was like six or seven games ago, I forget which one exactly, but they started running, when he was in that second unit, they started running that, um, they'd start him off in the right corner, he would circle up, uh, Rubio would do a dribble handoff with him, and he would go straight into a Nasrid pick and roll right in the middle of the floor, and... They did it like three or four times in a row to end the first quarter, and you know, um, I Edwards either set up Nas for an open dunk or 
pulled up for a wide open mid range jumper that he nailed, and you know they, they scored every time on that. But then every game since then, they've been running it three, four, five, six times a game with no variation to it. So you know defenses are just going going under the handoff, going under the screen, and now Edwards is just pounding the ball at the top of the key with no plan because there's no other movement or action or options for him to do something off of that. So it's it's simpl- it's too simplistic. It's not, you know, next time they run that, I would love to see him, f- you know, fake the handoff and instead cut back door. But, you know, that's yeah. it's tough because defenses are going under everything. So, you know, defenders just could be three feet off of them. And, oh, okay, this was easy to go with. So that... You know. And that's the problem. That's the problem with the whole offense right now. Is that there's no counters to anything. It's just like weave action. You know, yeah, I'm, into... I'm so sick of that ten second weave where they do nothing except just. All right, well, you ran in circles for 15 seconds. Now you got 10 seconds and the ball, and no one's moving. So awesome. Yeah, and then they just run a high pick and roll to finish it with five seconds on the clock, yeah. and it goes and it goes nowhere. Like. When he comes off that handoff, you know, action with Nas, like then you run the then run the wide pin down on the other side of the floor for Beasley. Like give him an option to to pass to. Let him use a little bit of that passing, or just let make the defense look somewhere else. Because when you just run that handoff into pick and roll, and no one else moves, everyone knows what's going to happen, and and everyone's already clued into the fact that. Edwards likes the look of his own shot, mm-hmm. and that he, when he gets the ball, he wants to he wants to shoot and he wants to impress. Mm-hmm. And I just think that you have to make teams look at someone else on those plays because obviously, you know, we're not absolving Ann of any blame here. No, because he needs to be better, you know, in multiple areas offensively. Obviously, but I just think you're doing, like I said, you're doing him no favors. And the more you try and just make him become better at these bad actions. Like the the worst it's making him, and then I think, and then I think after that you have to factor into things you know that aren't on the coaching staff, and I think that's like you said earlier, it's the the shot selection issues, and they're not pull up mid range shots like Wiggins, but they're the three the three point shots, the pull up threes. I mean, he's shooting thirty eight point two percent on on thirty four catch and shoot jumpers so far. Yeah, well, which and, is very very his his pull up threes are sixteen point seven percent. Yeah, and those catch and shoots just don't come very often. Thirty-four surprised me because that seemed like too many, to be honest. Because I, the dude yeah. can shoot. I, I, I'm going to stand by that that he can shoot. I don't think he's Culver. I don't think he's Rubio. No. I think I think that he's a guy who can he can at least shoot at a league average rate from three. But his problem is that he boxes himself into a corner by constantly attempting these low percentage looks that. You know, even Steph Curry's not shooting a high percentage. Maybe Steph, but you know, like, like players don't shoot high percentage from three if they shoot bad shots all the time, and that's the, that's what's wrong with with Edwards. The decision making, I think, it's the, those side steps, triples. I, yeah, the, the, cut those out of every game because those drive me insane. Yeah, because I the, especially the the, fly past him on the closeouts, attack the rim, stop doing this one dribble sidestep for a three that clanks off the side of the rim. And it's that long pump fake that he has too, which it does work. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like lulling you to sleep. But like, they're so long that he could have just shot the catch and shoot jumper. Yeah. Like, there's two options. You just shoot the semi-open jumper and we know you can hit him. I'm sure the coaching staff trusts him to hit him. Or 
if you do get the guy to fly by, yeah, you attack the rim and it's a broken floor. Someone's going to come and help. Someone's open. We know that you can make these drive and kick passes. Like, that's the exact situation I want to see him getting downhill is when it's a four-on-five situation. Yeah. And, and now you've got an open guy somewhere. And even if those shots don't go in, like we said, even if it's Rubio or it's Culver that you end up passing to, at least you've made the right play. And the sidestep jumper is not the right play. It's and I've said before... Right yeah. I've said before on, on this podcast that I think that he is such a great space creator and he always has been. He's got He's got crazy space creation on just like a single jab step just because his first step is so quick and, and, and players are wary of getting blown by. And those sidesteps, like, he creates a ton of space off those sidesteps, but I think he just wants to show that. Like, he wants, to, he wants to prove how well he can create space and create shots. And sometimes, you know, especially in the NBA, especially when you're shooting 35% from the field, like, you just got to take the easy option, not the, not the flashy option, not the, you know, off-the-dribble, crazy-looking jumper that, that you can knock down. We know you can knock them down, but you're not going to knock them down often. And I think that's, that's the problem with Edwards right now. Yeah, yeah, and and just I I think just getting him more stuff where you know if you're going to set him up in the corner and run a pick and roll or something on the opposite side of the floor, okay, but then maybe have the have someone set him a back pick or something so he can you know flash to the rim, or you know run actual plays for him off ball to you know to free him up and get to the rim. It's just too much of okay dribble handoff pick and roll no options okay we're gonna take a step back three and and he's got to be better out of those situations of recognizing that okay i i don't have something here i i gotta move the ball and relocate i gotta i gotta cut off ball you know rubio's being hard hedged and you know i have a chance to cut back door here just his effort off the ball needs to improve and we, we've seen enough ability from him in that area where we know it's there. We know it. he can do it. It's yeah. just a matter of getting him to actually do it. The perfect example is that dunk that he had uh, in the Orlando game, I think it was, where he, he drove the seam, he kicked to the corner, he didn't force anything, and then as soon as he kicked to the corner, he relocated yeah. into the slot next to the guy in the corner, Pump fake the pump fake the closing out defender and then dunked on someone like that is the perfect Anthony Edwards play. Attack the closeout once, make the right pass, don't force the shot, relocate smartly, and then attack the closeout again and yam it on someone. Like yeah. if he could do that, you know he can do that three times a game. Like and we've seen it once for a season. Like as much as I think that the coaching staff needs to do a better job of. Like, he's got a 26.3% usage rate, like, and they don't run a play for him. Like, they don't run anything but high pick and roll for him. Right. Um, like, that needs to change. He's getting a usage rate of a star at the moment. Obviously, it's a star, you know, it's a bench role where he's kind of the guy who they want leading the bench as a six-man type. But, like, mm-hmm. you need to, you can't just, like, the dude's played 14 games in the NBA, 15 by the time people are listening to this. You can't just throw him out there and you know, not give him any direction and just be like, yeah, we know you can store in isolation. Don't do it. Like, right. I, so uh, among his position, he's in the 85th percentile for usage rate and his total points per 100 shot attempts is 80, which is in the 5th percentile. It's 
you know, allow some of that's on him. You know, don't take these step backs, you know, look to score at the rim, not to draw a foul. But a lot of it's just they don't have a plan for him. Like you said, it's just throw him out there. All right, here's one action. Mm, nothing came of it. Figure it out. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's it's really frustrating, and I don't, and I think that's just a perfect, you know, recipe for disaster of, of bad coaching and bad shot selection. And he, uh, it's to your, a point you made a lot earlier. I think the guys that we're seeing coming out of the gates really fast as the rookies are the guys who are just known as cerebral players. Guys whose mm-hmm. IQ has always been a, a high point of theirs. Uh, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, yep. Lamello Ball. Like, they're guys who can read the game three steps ahead and always have been able to. So they've been able to adjust without Summer League and, and without a full training camp. And I think that the guys that we were high on, or at least high-ish on, um, who weren't high IQ guys but more you know, project guys or guys who, who overwhelm with athleticism or with, with just raw talent. Guys like Edwards, guys like um, uh, Denny FDR. I know he is a high IQ player mm-hmm. and he hasn't been horrible, but you obviously on the FDR train, you know, more more than anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think he's struggled a little bit just because sure. it's it's hard, it's hard to, to adjust, you know, to a to the NBA game after 14 games and, and no off-season. And I think we both know that, but also... If you don't improve that IQ and you don't learn on the job pretty quickly, like it's gonna get away from you. You know what I mean? It's gonna. Yeah. You don't. You're obviously like obviously Edwards is gonna have all the chances in the world to become good. Then he's never gonna be a guy. They just sit on the bench, or at least not now. But I just think that you can't let bad habits seep into your game and, and get to the point where they where you can't get rid of them. Uh, and I'm I'm worried that that's gonna happen with Edwards. I'm not. As worried as some, I know some are writing him off pretty, pretty early. Yeah, but I, I just think it's yeah. And for a guy like we said earlier, like we both expected him to struggle, mm-hmm. so I'm not surprised that he's that he's struggling. And I've said that multiple times. But I just think his mental makeup and his penchants for for falling in love with that jumper, I I think it's it's not a great sign. And I think the coaching staff need to do a better job of getting him because once he, I think. He's the kind of guy that if you get him open, catch and shoot looks, and he starts knocking them down, he'll become more receptive to the idea of doing it all the time. Right. Like he just wants to, he wants to ball out. Like he just wants, you can tell he just wants to be really good. Mm-hmm. And if you show him that these smarter ways to be really good work, he'll start doing them. But right now he's just like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So I'm just going to do what I've, I'm going to do what I've always done. And, and that kind of circles back to what we were talking about with his confidence before, where it's not that Jared Culver should you know, scenario where he misses shots and he gets in his own head and freaks out. But I am concerned about, I'm not concerned about him lacking confidence and believing that what he's going to do is going to work. I am worried about him being overly confident and the bad things he's doing, not bothering him enough where it's like, I need to fix this and get this out of my game and, morph it into this which is more conducive to winning basketball and will help me as a player and help the team so i'm that that's more where i'm worried about his you know his confidence level where it's overly confident and not self-aware enough where it's this is broken i need to change this yeah it's 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 more the worry is that it's more this has worked for me before so i'll just make it work for me again 
rather than, you know, this isn't going to work because this is the NBA now and it's not Georgia. Right. It's not, you know, we're not versing a team that, that's not even in the top 50 teams in, in college basketball. Like, this is the NBA and every night you'll just get punished if you do the wrong things. And we saw, you know, last night, Clint Capella feels like Clint Capella blocked him about 17 times. Yeah. And, like, and that's got to be hard on the mentality, but also it's got to... And, and a lot of those, I think, were because he wanted the foul, like we said, and he just he's looking at the ref almost midair mm-hmm. saying, you know, call this foul, like... And I like, and I think that I like the the fact that he came out early and just tried to dunk on everyone. Yeah, I think that they need to tell him that that's the right thing because the the first one he gets blocked by the rim and he hit the you know he dunks that ninety nine times out of a hundred probably. Yeah, the second was overly ambitious but fun nonetheless. Yeah. Um. All right. We'll we'll leave it there on Edwards. Um. I think obviously. There's a lot to unpack still with him, and and we will be able to unpack it again. Uh, as the season wears on, and I'm sure that we will come on and talk about him again. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I want to finish off the show with Jaden McDaniel's obviously tiny sample size, barely, I think, two games now, probably three. When you guys are listening, but of actual rotation minutes and not just garbage time minutes, but but for the season, he's averaging 4.8 points per game. 2.8 2.8 rebounds, 0.6 blocks, 42.4% from the field, 41.2% from three. <laughs> Ridiculously small sample size yeah. on and off numbers here. Um, 3.4 points per 100 possessions worse on offense and 23.5 points per 100 possessions better on de- on defense when he's on the floor. You had him at 27 pre-draft. I had him at 28, which I think he went, ended up going 27 or 28, uh, I think. Whatever pick me. Yeah. So we're pretty close on that. Um, again, I'll ask you the same question. What have you seen from McDaniels that, that stands out for, for you or, or worries you compared to what you, you saw coming out of college? Yeah, so I mean, his he was so disappointing at Washington. And, right. um, you know, he, he looked immature there. You know, he had a lot of issues with that. Um, or, I, you know, I don't, I don't know specifically, but it sounded like he had some issues off the court with, the team or whatever he had a ton of technical fouls he got in foul trouble all the time he looked disinterested he looked frustrated and i had not really seen that player at all um and what we saw in the orlando game i thought was incredibly encouraging and something i didn't expect to see from him you know maybe for like another year or two um and it it was a breakout game in the sense that you know, and it was an awesome game for him, but it wasn't, you know, one of those games where he's chucking up a bunch of contested shots and everything's just going in, you know, where it's balls just bouncing his way on both ends of the floor. It seems like it's something that you could do that he can replicate. Right. It didn't seem like a, a hot night. Right. It was it was decision making. It was positioning. It was making the right read, making the right rotation, time, you know, incredible timing on his block shots. Um it was really encouraging and a lot of fun, and it just really seemed like 
Washington was just kind of drained him. Um, yeah, and he he was he was fun. You know, maybe that's the best game of the season that for him. It very well could be. It maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a sign of things to come. Um, and even if it is his best game, I, I I don't think that's a problem. You know, it's I I think he showed that he has the defense and the shooting ability and the IQ and the willingness to kind of battle more than I ever expected to, to see from him. Um, that should earn him minutes you know he's he is still really skinny but he looks like he's added muscle since Washington which he didn't do at Washington at all um so you know if he can I hope he continues to get minutes because I I think that'll be good for his development and you know the Timberwolves haven't been able to get any production from the four you know Vanderbilt's been awesome but he's an absolute viability late in games and can't stay out of foul trouble um, McDan. He's a five. I, I yeah, think. When, yeah. I think Vanderbilt's a five. Like, and they obviously are playing him at the four. And I think they probably will continue to run him at the four when Cat's back as well. But mm-hmm. I just feel like he's a he's a small ball five kind of guy who plays a bit bigger. Right, but in the he, final five minutes, you can't play him. No, you can't. You can't. And we we learned that the hard way. Right. Um, and I I, I really like Vanderbilt, so I'm not trying to take. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm on the I'm the uh, the president of the Vanderbilt fan club. Yeah. So so I what McDaniel's showed was really encouraging. Uh, I think you know when we were going through players or pre draft stuff, um, you know we both kind of saw him as a lottery ticket and a more of a development project. I don't think he's going to be as much of a development project as you know we kind of all originally thought, and you know I I kind of hope that he played himself out of being sent to that G League bubble um, because I would like to see him stay with the team and practice with the team and get minutes in games that aren't just garbage time. So hopefully that's the case. You know, again, minuscule sample size and cleaning the glass has him at 61 minutes on the season and they take out all garbage time stuff. So he's barely played any anything meaningful, but that magic game was awesome yeah and what encouraged me even more so was was the quiet night against atlanta last night and i just thought he he just does all the little things and he doesn't seem to want to do more than that and that's something that he didn't do at washington he always pressed and he always took you know silly especially when he got in his own head and, and he was emotional about the game or just you know, losing and and not getting minutes, start coming off the bench for the second half of the season. I just think so far he's shot the ball when he's open, he's moved the ball when he isn't, and then he impacts the game as a rotation defender who covers immense ground to block and to alter shots. Like, there isn't much to say outside of that on him so far, and that's a good thing because he isn't doing anything that you don't want him to do. He's taken a few pull-up mid-range jumpers, but that's after attacking a closeout, you know, he's... Struggled to finish a little bit at the rim, but like they're all things that you know they're not issues really. They're just things that rookies who are you know weigh a buck fifty. Uh, that that's what they happens with them. So I just think the fact that he's just playing under control is a huge step from what we what we saw at Washington. And I I think he's just I think he's lucked out in the situation that he's in. They can't put him in the G League bubble surely because right now, like you have to roll with him over Hernan Gomez and over Layman. Like I just don't see any reason why you can 
put him back on the bench, especially if he's hitting these threes. Uh, he probably needs a good night tonight against the Pelicans to kind of cement himself just as a as a guy who can hit threes. He probably just needs to hit one or two threes tonight if he gets open for them because Saunders and Rosas clearly want Nonan Gomez to work. So, which, which I get because they just gave him an obscene amount of money for what he's producing. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I would love for Hernan Gomez to, you know, either be off the team or find what he did, you know, post-trade deadline last season. Um, I, I would love for that to work, but it's really looking like it's not going to. And it just looks like a really, really bad signing. And, like, the Timberwolves' two biggest contributors – at the four spot could be McDaniels and Vanderbilt, who are both making less than $2 million. I think they need to look at it. I've been thinking this recently. I don't know if I'll put it out there. I think they need to look at Hernan Gomez not playing and McDaniels and Vanderbilt playing. As you know, you can just spin that into a win, spin that into the fact that you traded for a 21 year old who's a restricted free agent who's under your control. Mm-hmm who is clear, like in Vanderbilt, who's clearly a rotation player and can be a part of a core, you know, going into the future. And then you drafted McDaniels at 28, who looks like he can play and looks like he can immediately be a part of a rotation. I think you, that's the way they should be looking at it rather than we gave Hernan Gomez $21 million and he's not playing. Yeah. You know, let's look at it, look at it the other way where the guys who are out playing him yeah. are, future pe- are future pieces. Like... I wanted to get your your opinion before I let you go on McDaniel's on ball defense. I know we we haven't seen much of anything mm-hmm. from from him just sample size wise, but we got to see nothing at Washington. Like I remember looking for on ball defense clips when I was no, writing my article. You know, the, you I, I reckon I found no, I reckon I found two for the whole season. It's like, the worst they, zone in the country, and they get destroyed. Yeah. It and I don't know why they play it. Yeah, so obviously Mike Hopkins at Washington, they run that constant zone. And I just, I've actually been pretty impressed with how he's been able to move his feet mm-hmm. and, and then use it, and then use his length to kind of recover on quicker guys. Like he, even when he's a step or two behind, he gets his a hand up in their face just because his arms are so long. Yeah. And he can't, he can't get through screens. I mean, he, he's been obliterated by a couple of screens so far, but like the dude's a bean pole mm-hmm. and that's kind of to be expected. But, that stuff you can improve, you know, in the weight room for a few off seasons and, and plenty of time with David Vanterpool exploring how to, you know, navigate bigger bodies and do it with more success. But I just think that I I always imagined, I guess just because I had no sample of it, that he was going to be really bad as an on-ball defender. And I've been quietly encouraged there. Yeah, and I think it kind of... that His shot-blocking instincts and timing... Um, around the rim kind of transfers to his on-ball defense as well. And he, he's moved his feet a lot better than I, than I expected. Um, I, I offensively, we, you know, he, we can see kind of how quick he is and that translates as well. I mean, he, he gets down in his stance. He moves his feet pretty well. Um, I, I don't think he'll ever be, you know, a great defender, but yeah, he, he clearly takes it seriously. Um, and I mean, his arms go on forever, and he he absolutely uses his length. Um, and like that uh, that steal against Orlando where he got switched onto Aaron Gordon at the at the top of the arc, and 
Gordon tried to take him off the dribble and McDaniels, you know. And Gordon was swaying back and forth with those crossovers. Like, Gordon was licking his lips yeah. when he saw McDaniels switched on to him. Yeah, and McDaniels did a good job of moving his feet. He flipped his hips. He poked the ball loose and then got out and ran in transition. Um, you know, I, I don't expect that every time. I'm sure he's going to – those long legs are going to get tangled up a couple times this year. But the fact that he – he, he seems to take pride in his defense, which is something I didn't fully anticipate. I, I knew that he loved to be a, that shot blocker and had an attitude about it at Washington where he loved swatting guys' shots into the fifth row and would let them know about it. So I that didn't surprise me. Um, but his on-ball stuff, I mean, he, he takes it just as seriously as that weak side shot blocking um, and just his overall defensive awareness where before he's making that rotation, he's glancing over his shoulder to, to see his guy, to make sure that he's not cutting behind him, to make sure that he's not rotating for an open three or something. And then once he knows where that guy is, you know, he, he then he's helping. Um, so it, it, he's much more cerebral on defense than, I, that, that, than I initially expected. And because off the bat, I assumed that he would just be all arms and length um, and kind of no grit. And he that that hasn't been the case at all. I It's a strange one, and it's gonna, this is going to sound over the top, but he kind of reminds me of like a Robert Covington type, obviously without the, the IQ. Like, Cove's IQ is off the charts right. defensively. But, like, Cove has never being a guy who's a great on-ball defender. Mm-hmm. He gets blown by regularly, still in Portland, and, and did in Minnesota. Like He's just not a guy that defends at the point of attack you know, at a supreme level. He, he's fine at it, and he can, he can survive with, with Robert Covington on, on a good player, but it's the way he's just a defensive playmaker mm-hmm. in all forms. And I kind of see that a little bit with McDaniels, where he just seems to read when he can impact a shot or when he can poke a ball away. Like it's not it, it's not that you can just stick him on Paul George and say get at it. Like he it's it's not Joshua Cody who doesn't get a lot of blocks and he doesn't get a lot of steals, right. but he forces bad shots. I don't think McDaniel's will ever force bad shots, but what he does is just uh, he covers so much ground, man. Mm-hmm. Like he he's in the corner and then all of a sudden he's he's blocking you from behind at the rim from three feet away. Like and he did that at Washington as well. That yeah. was yeah. I always just thought that he he had a role in the NBA if he could knock down threes, because I thought that he'd just be a fine rotation defender, weak side defender. Yeah. And I guess the last thing I want to hit on here is, is is what do you think of this three-point shooting? Is it a mirage? I don't think he's a 40% shooter. No. I mean, he I thought I thought he was always a great, you know, really good catch-and-shoot guy at Washington and a bit like Edwards kind of ruined his percentages with his shot selection at times. But, like, if he stands, if he stands there and shooting catch-and-shoot shots as a as his main source of scoring, what do you think the percentages are going to average out to? Um, I I I think he'll be a, at least a league average shooter from outside. I'm yeah, I'm forty one percent on two attempts a game. I don't think is something people should expect to continue. Um, I I think I'd like to see the attempts go up and the percentage probably go down. Yeah, and I I guess I would guess by the end of the season that he kind of averages out to thirty five ish, maybe thirty six percent. But you know that's kind of all 
all you need. I mean, that's that. I, I think that's good enough because it's never going to be, you know, thirty-three to thirty-five percent on high volume. It's going to be thirty-five to thirty-seven percent on open catch and shoots, and you know, he he knocks down a couple, and then that forces defenses to close out a little more aggressively and he he's shown that he can take guys off the dribble or at least attack a closeout for you know a two dribble pull up um in the mid-range and just his length and high release point makes his shot nearly impossible to block so i i think i think he'll be a solid shooter i i don't think he'll be awesome or you know world changing or anything like that but I, I absolutely expect him to be a, a respectable shooter that defenses can't just completely ignore. And right now, <laughs> that's probably the best power forward on the roster. Yeah. Like obviously, oh, Van, uh, obviously Vanderbilt is probably a little bit more valuable just because he is he is quite a good defender and an elite rebounder. But like a three and three and D is his role right now, McDaniel's. Mm-hmm. Like if he can shoot open threes and make an impact defensively, that's more than a lot of the guys on this roster are doing right now. Yeah, because Jake Lehman is completely falling out of the rotation. Um, the team can't rebound at all when Okogie's at the four. You know, I, I like that lineup for spurts, but it's proven pretty disastrous at the end of games. Um, and, you know, Vanderbilt's an offensive liability, and Hernan Gomez is sagging off of three-point shooters by 10 feet because he doesn't want to get blown past um, and he can't knock down like, a shot to save his life. Doesn't want to get blown past by Kyle Anderson. Right, right, which is <laughs> beyond puzzling. So a guy named Slow, a guy named Slomo, it, he's <laughs> it's embarrassing him athletically. I think that McDaniel's actually been a pretty good rebounder. I've, I thought he was a pretty good rebounder at Washington as well. Yeah. I actually was always pleasantly surprised with how often he sought out a body mm-hmm. like well, he's yeah, willing to boss out he, he he looks yeah. for a body and turns and you know makes contact he he's he's skinny and usually those guys are you know i, I don't want to go bang in the post but he hasn't been shy about getting physical um he's gonna get pushed out of the way but he kind of held his own against birch and vucevic sort of uh, they're big dudes. Yeah, they're really big, and they usually push guys around. But and he would get pushed, and he would go right back and try and hold his own, which was, you know, it, it, it's part of that that grit and that effort and willingness to do those little things that I didn't really expect to see from him, maybe ever, especially not this early in his career. He's he's got a mentality that I like. It's kind of like the the Beasley mentality where he's not. He's not strong enough to overpower dudes, but like he he's he's got a little bit of an edge to him. Like we obviously saw that you know it, it got directed the wrong way yep. at Washington, and usually towards the ref or towards his own team, just because he was clearly frustrated. But when he's taking it out, like you said, when he's blocking dudes and he's talking trash after it, or when a big dude comes and tries to throw him out the way on a box out and he says, you know what, like I'm gonna go right back at you. Right. Even if you do throw me out the way, I'm gonna make sure that you, you have to work for it. Right. And, and, and that's, that's, impre- something that's this impressive. That's impressive. Hasn't doesn't have in the post really. Yeah. They they don't have and that, that, that 
and that gives you 10 more pounds, you right. know, like just to, just in like wanting to do it. You can be as big as you want. I, I mean, we've seen it a little bit with Edwards. Like you don't, you don't see Edwards go and just try and move guys out the way, even though he could and he's probably weighs 40 pounds more than McDaniels. Yep. Like, but McDaniels is... He's got that little bit of an edge to him. He he's the kind of guy I could see to Judd coming off the bench if a fight broke out. Like I yeah. think that McDaniel's he has that that edge that sometimes you want to tone down and other times it shows itself in good ways. So um, I think overall, you know, fairly impressed with McDaniel's. And like you said, and I thought it was a great point that like that Orlando game might be his best game of the season. I don't think we can judge him as that being the baseline. But to just see that against the physical front court, against a team that actually plays really good defense, Orlando, mm-hmm. despite being horrible offensively, um, I just think that, that that is a hugely encouraging sign because, same as you, I didn't expect to see that for two years. I didn't expect him to play one minute in the NBA this season, and obviously injuries dictated that. But he stepped in and looked comfortable and, and probably earned himself a nightly role. I, you'd certainly hope so. Um, I, I have no idea what's going on with these rotations, um, but <laughs> everyone played last night, but, so. right? And, and co- the coaching staff is just begging for someone to step up, and you know he did against Orlando. Uh, Orlando was a little quieter. We'll see. You know, I, I hope that he continues to take full advantage of the minutes he gets um, because he's going to have to because that this organization isn't going to want to play him over the guy they just paid $7 million a year for in free agency. So they, they're going to want to pay or play that other guy to prove his worth and try and at least engender some trade value. And McDaniels is going to have to take whatever role he gets and where whatever minutes he's, he gets, he's going to have to, take it and take full advantage of it and kind of take over that rotation and make it impossible for the coaches not to play him. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, we'll leave it at that. Everyone, you can you can follow Tyler on Twitter at tmetcalf11. Uh, you can find all his work at Tanner Supers and at hashtag basketball. Very good draft stuff. Very good uh, just rookie breakdowns throughout the season and just very good basketball, you know, Timberwolves stuff in general. So, Thanks, as usual, Tyler. And, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll get back and, and give these guys another review further into the season. Sounds good, Jake. Thanks for having me.